hello again from the European Association for International Education, and welcome to episode number 31 in the EIE podcast series. I'm Laura Rumbly, the EIE's Associate Director for Knowledge Development and Research. Thanks for being with us. We're airing today's episode in the final days of the 2021 UN Climate Change Conference, or COP26 as it's commonly known. The climate emergency is constantly on our minds, of course, but given the timing of this major global discussion about the environment and our effects on it, we thought this was an excellent moment to reflect on environmentally friendly travel and international education. To learn more about this issue, we turned to an organization called Erasmus by Train, which describes itself as a student-led initiative which aims to link the Erasmus and Interrail programs for a more sustainable and united Europe. One of Erasmus by Train's co-founders, Tatiana Zuding, took time out of her busy schedule as a master's student of human ecology at Lund University to chat with us about how this initiative came to be, the challenges it faces, and the vision for environmentally friendly and personally meaningful Erasmus student travel that it hopes to achieve. Hi, Tatiana. I'd like to start out by asking you um, a little bit of an origin story question. What is the story behind Erasmus by Train and, and, and its activities, and how did you specifically get involved? Um, yeah, so Erasmus by Train was founded in January of 2020, um, but the original idea dates back to the summer of 2019 when uh, some of those who later then founded the NGO were gathering at a summer academy at Cambridge University um, in the UK to discuss different challenges that will uh, will be faced by all of us in the future. Um, and climate change, obviously, was one of the topics as well. Um, and then I think it was at a side event where a few of them realized that um, there was a bit of a problem with how they all traveled um, to the academy, which was by plane. But then the demands that they were raising in these discussions, which was for more sustainable ways of living. Um, and later on, they realized that this seemed to be a bit more of a large scale problem and not only in their individual choices, but um, that a lot of people want sustainable change and sustainable options, but still struggle to actually change the individual patterns of consumption because such options are lacking. And especially in um, international education, that's a problem. So then, yeah, they, they thought maybe for once we should actually put an idea into action and uh, gathered some friends together in, in Berlin. That was in January 2020 and founded the nonprofit organization Erasmus by Train. Um, which then basically has three demand or like has the demand to initiate um, interrail tickets, free interrail tickets um, for all Erasmus exchange students, which should be funded by the European Commission um, so that everyone is actually able to afford sustainable travel to and from their exchange location. And we think that this is good for the reasons of sustainability, um, because obviously emissions would be cut by uh, taking the train. Um, but then also for the European experience, because people would be able to travel through a lot of European countries to their destination and from their uh, home university and would actually understand um, the diversity that Europe has to offer. And then I guess they came together in Berlin because this is where the NGO was founded. But then we couldn't or we didn't only want to be a group of Germans um, demanding the European Commission to hand out free interrail tickets, obviously. Um, so then we tried to internationalize ourselves or Europeanize ourselves um, 
by asking friends of friends and reaching out through um, international university networks. And we're currently still working on this, um, but we've become more European and also see ourselves not as a group of people who are trying to push forward their idea, but more as a platform for a lot of young Europeans um, to bring in their ideas and actually implement them. Can I ask you a little bit about what attracted you to this cause or this movement? How, how did it speak to you personally? Um, I really like the combination of um, the environmental aspect. So I'm a student of human ecology and I'm very much focused on uh, the impact that climate change already has on our life and on the lives of various different communities um, around the globe. So, yeah, that's a major concern for me. And I really also want to put a lot of my professional work life, but also free time um, towards finding ways in which we can um, mitigate or adapt to the changing climate. Um, but then I also like the idea that this was com combined um, with something that's has another component, which is international education, which personally has brought me a lot of benefits to my life. And I wish that a lot of people can benefit from it in the future. Um, and I think the Rasmus program is great in and of itself, but if we don't make it more sustainable, then it will, its success will be threatened. So in the end, it really combines two things that I think are worth fighting for, international exchange and international exchange in education. Um, but also a sound and safe environment. I think those are very uh, exciting objectives to have in one's life, personally and professionally. Um, you've mentioned a couple of key pillars of this movement or this organization, um, trying to get interrail uh, tickets into the hands of Erasmus students, mobile Erasmus students, but also providing a platform for um, students to come together across Europe you know, under a common objective or umbrella. Are there any other elements of what success looks like to Erasmus by train? And I'm also kind of interested in the extent to which data, you know, about um, student travel or the overall carbon footprint of the Erasmus student experience is informing or animating your objectives. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, success to us would be obviously in the first, yeah, it would be that, um, more people would take the train or the bus or any way of sustainable public transport to reach their exchange destination. Um, but another element of that success would be that people actually enjoy it and have a positive uh, traveling experience that might also trigger more sustainable traveling uh, choices in the future. So we really want this long train journey and it will be long because Europe is a big continent and a lot of people want to um, have an exchange destination that's rather far away, but we want this long train journey to be exciting and to be part of the exchange itself and a journey where um, the students can already get to know other people, can get to know Europe more and can gather experiences and stories. Fantastic. Um, yeah, already. But then I guess success also has to be defined beyond the individual level. So we really want the institutions um, to change. And I think for the European Commission, that is extremely relevant because it has been setting up a lot of uh, policies. A lot of people know the Green Deal or the Fit for 55 package. Um, so it has quite ambitious targets when it comes to uh, sustainable change. But so far, it hasn't really worked on implementing 
sustainable change when it comes to its own um, programs, such as the Erasmus program. So success to us would really also be a situation where the European Commission changes its own programs towards more sustainable um, way of implementing these programs and thereby supports individuals to be more sustainable, but doesn't just push the responsibility to individuals. So um, some of, oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, I just wanted to answer the data question. Mm. Yeah, um, it's a tricky question because so far there's not a lot of high resolution data on individual mobility choices um, during Erasmus. And it seems like nobody in the European Commission is actually really interested in generating that data. Um, there's, for example, a post-exchange survey that returning students ought to take, which is called Participant Report Form on the Learning Mobility of Individuals, and it's subtitled Mobility for Studies in Higher Education. Uh, it has 12 questions across 12 categories and several sub-questions. It's 19 pages long, and it doesn't have a single question on transport. Um, so there's really a lack in, in data generated by official institutions or the interest also, because if you're looking at mobility, then one needs to ask themselves why mobility here is only understood in terms of academic exchange, but not only um, in terms of the actual economic, ecological, or social aspects of that physical mobility. Um, there's an ESN study from 2020, with ESN being the Erasmus Student Network, that has found that three out of four uh, Erasmus students are taking the um, plane to their exchange location. So that's an important number for us. Um, at the same time, there's a, a hop onto rail study, which is an NGO that has found that 57% um, of the members of the Generation Z, so the younger generation, um, wants more incentives to the public to use rail transportation, uh, which then is also an important number for us. Again, hinting at the fact that it's not only about the individual change, but it's also about the institutional change that needs to implement these incentives. Um, but I guess besides the lack of data on the particularities of the Erasmus exchange, there's a lot of data on the necessity um, to actually have stringent action against climate change and that a lot of young people are demanding that. So at last at the last global climate strike organized by Fridays for Future, Berlin alone, alone counted 100,000 participants on the 24th of September, which just is again indicating that a lot of people want political and economic institutions and especially governments um, to implement sustainable change. And maybe what could also count as data is all the extreme um, weather phenomena we've been witnessing this summer which is something I think we shouldn't ignore, especially then in context where in the light of um, the sixth assessment report by the International Panel on Climate Change by the UN that has been published almost simultaneously with all these events occurring. And that has showed that under various different emission scenarios, it is likely that we will ex exceed the 1.5 degrees of global warming mid-century and thereby not managing to keep in line with various international agreements and treaties on climate protection. Um, so there's this data, there's the lived experience around of people around the globe, but also Europeans of fires and um, droughts and floods. Um, and then there's the data of the sustainability of the railway sector in comparison to the unsustainability of the international aviation sector, all in the context 
of the transportation sector, making up one uh, one fourth to one third of all emissions of the European uh, Union. So all in all, to put this all together, there's a lot of data that's hinting towards the importance of moving towards more sustainable ways of traveling. And we think that there's no better way to start than with higher education, because in the end, it's also the higher education that generates all this knowledge of the fact that we need to move towards more sustainable patterns of mobility. So, so many layers of information and evidence and engagement. I think there's a lot to, to piece together, as you say, into a very um, powerful picture of a need for change. You've mentioned individuals, institutions, the commission. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about who you see as the primary actors in this ecosystem that comprises the Erasmus Plus program and student travel that really need to be a part of the solution you envision and what roles they need to play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as you said, there's a lot of layers and there's a lot of actors. Um, so first and foremost, it's the EU Commission, because that's setting up the Erasmus program every seven years. And is also the commission, that, uh, the, the institution that does the budget. Um, so as I said before, I think they need to take themselves seriously or need to take their own goals seriously when it comes to sustainability and um, implement that in their own programs. There's a European Parliament that, um, with like parties from all sides that can bring in resolutions and pressure the European Commission to do that. Then very importantly, there's the students and international offices at universities and the yeah, academic world, which I think needs to pressure like positively pressure, obviously, um, the political world to do that. Uh, Students can raise their demands in what universities, but also um, the Erasmus program should deliver to them. And then I think there's the, or I know that there's the national rail industries and companies, and that's actually somewhat of a bigger obstacle because in order to implement a greener traveling for um, international students. We also need the infrastructure because uh, we can't expect students from islands to travel for more than three days to get to to get across Europe for their uh, exchange. Um, and this infrastructure is actually really, really hard to establish or will just take a really long time. Um, at the moment, rail industries are highly monopolized. They're partly state-run, Partly there's new players arising, especially in the bus sector. Um, but there's still difficulties with borders, with lacking passenger rights when you cross borders. And there's a lack of corporations. So very often the offers of one um, railway, national railway company, stops at the borders and doesn't really exceed that. So the, the communities of European railway co- companies, that's actually a really, really important actor as well. Um, that needs to take on this task of providing deeper and more tailored uh, traveling tickets to exchange students. The coordination component of things sounds pretty complex and, um, and daunting, but really vital. Most of the EIE's membership is comprised of individuals who work in international education at specific higher education institutions across Europe. And I was wondering if you had any standout examples of actions being taken by single institutions Um, that support Erasmus by train agenda. And what more could be done at that institutional level or how are you attempting to kind of nudge them along in this process? 
Yeah, that's a very important question because we really think that universities are a key player um, as they just have direct relationship to the Erasmus student and also the one facilitating the application process and organizing a lot of that. Um, so we think that in general, it's these institutions, the universities that should just bring up the discourse around the idea of sustainable travel at a very early stage of this application process. So when young uh, students are thinking of where they want to go and how they can go on exchange, um, we think that it should be the university that triggers the thoughts of um, also thinking through means of transportation, um, maybe especially because, as I said before, universities are the institutions who generate all the scientific knowledge and then maybe should also have the responsibility to bring this across, especially in times of a threatening climate crisis and to see their students when they, for example, choose the plane to not take this decision out of bad intent, but maybe also unawareness. Um, so we really hope for universities to take on this task of just raising awareness and increasing the discourse around sustainable travel and the need for that. And ultimately, obviously, it should be on the EU to set up this grant, um, but or the grants for sustainable travel. Um, but while the EU is currently still failing to do that, universities can already take on this job. And several have done so already. We've listed uh, quite a few examples on our website um, so others can look for best practices and we think that yeah setting up such a grant and supporting students can then positively affect their traveling behavior but can also put pressure positive pressure onto other universities to implement similar grants and that then also has a very important uh, social component again in, in supporting students who might not be able to afford sustainable mobility otherwise to do so nonetheless. Um, so it also has this, this effect of maybe increasing inequality uh, equality amongst university students. You've mentioned, you know, a number of, of different avenues forward, but also challenges um, in, in achieving the goal of Erasmus by train. I wonder if there is any one identifiable primary challenge that you see in terms of achieving those stated objectives. Who or what is really standing in the way of this cut happening? Um, one primary challenge might be hard to find, uh, but I can briefly go through maybe three. So actually what's what's really difficult for us is the geographic inequalities uh, because that's something we can't really change um, people coming from island states um, that's just cyprus for example or malta that's just more difficult um, to demand sustainable traveling from students there than from someone going from paris to brussels but that ties back to the next, or that ties into the next um, challenge, which is just infrastructure and the long time that it needs to build all of this. Currently, we're seeing a rise of night trains, but it's taken a long, long time for this to actually be implemented. And time might also be another issue when it comes to the implementation of policy, um, because we, we're facing really long policy cycles. Um, so the Erasmus program is set up every seven years. Um, so the next policy program will only be implemented after 2027, um, which means currently we need to be dealing with what has been set, been set up now in 2021, which just all points to the fact that rapid change is very difficult and um, we just yeah, need to be dealing with very long timeframes. 
You've already spoken quite a bit about the commission and its role in all of this. Um, I wonder if you have a, a, a feeling about the extent to which the current Erasmus program, so 2021 to 2027, is enabling real progress in fostering sustainability in relation to international student learning experiences. And ultimately, what more can or should the commission do to support a greener Erasmus agenda? Um, yeah, so I mean, in general, we we can see that the European Commission has been putting more emphasis on the sustainability aspect of traveling in this in this new program. Um, but the way it does this is to offer a top up of 50 euros of compensation and up to four additional days of individual support to cover travel days um, for students who decide to travel more sustainably. Um, but we're quite certain that this will not be enough to cover the full price difference between a cheap flight and more sustainable ways of traveling. So we think that the Europe, yeah, that by, for example, providing inter, um, interrail tickets to all Erasmus students across the board, uh, there would be a greater economic incentive for students to travel and it would just be more easy to implement, which then is maybe a second point of critique Uh, the aspect of bureaucracy. Um, we think that the proposed solution allows students to opt for compensation um, if they have used a transport mode covered by green, green travel as defined by the program. Uh, but we fear that this will lead to a very high bureaucratic burden for both applicants and implementing bodies, so the universities, um, which could in turn lower the motivation to make use of this option. So once you've traveled sustainably, you can then give your receipt to someone else, the implementing body, and they will compensate you um, instead of just already providing interrail tickets to all students so they can just book their sustainable travel themselves. Um, it will be very interesting maybe also to hear from your community how they will be dealing with this. Um, but we feel that this bureaucratic effort that everyone has to go through will decrease the, the sustainable travel in the long term. And then thirdly, we think there could be a different emphasis regarding the incentivization. Rather than compensating under then efforts for green travel, we think that you could advocate um, an incentive going beyond the individual, which Yeah, which would just encourage the group of students and not only single persons with intrinsic motivation for green travel to take um, the train instead of the plane. Tatiana, it's been really fantastic to have you bring these really important issues uh, to our community in this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, thank you for allowing us to speak to you. That was Tatiana Zoding, a co-founder of Erasmus by Train, a student-led nonprofit organization pushing for sustainable travel to be enabled and embedded in the Erasmus Plus student mobility experience. We've got links to the Erasmus by Train website in our session notes and other resources connected to this topic of responsible travel and environmentally friendly international education. These are not the only resources of ours that you might find valuable. Don't forget that if you're a current EAE member, you have access to a collection of exclusive video resources in My EAE, the member center of our website. Taking center stage this month is a collection of videos from some of our recent events that explore sustainability, the SDGs, and how international education can support the global struggle against climate change. Visit our website at www.eae.org 
and click on My EAIE to go to the Member Center. We very much hope you're enjoying our podcast series. If so, please like and share us on social media and consider subscribing to us on your preferred podcast platform. Our next episode will be coming your way on November 24th. Until then, all good wishes to you from the EAIE.